Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A whole new world, do, 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 where heroes reborn return again. Where did they go into a pocket universe? And now they're back with Onslaught hunting them. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second big comics podcast, starring Sharona. I don't know why. I've had that song in my head for days. You know how when you've got it, you just think about it everywhere in every situation. I'm walking to work today. Sharona. And then I'm in the middle of a meeting. And then I'm at dinner. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get back for something. And by the way, it's one of those moments where it's like, yeah. Do I really hate the song or not? If you're going to have a song that bugs you, at least have it be a song that's not going to drive you crazy. But you don't care about that. Welcome once again to the Second Print Comics Podcast. I sound different. I'm recording from a hotel. Meanwhile, we've got somebody calling in from Mexico. We couldn't do this again if we didn't bring the one, the only, the mighty milk toast from Metropolis himself, <laughs> the mysterious Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, how's the- life? The Metropolis Milk Toast. I think I'm going to start going by that. I'm going to hijack that that Kingdom Come uh, Magog nickname for Superman. Just run, um, brother, run. Yeah. Remzo, this situation is just another testament to our dedication to our fans. You are in a hotel room without your normal audio setup. I'm in central Mexico where I do have my audio equipment, but I don't necessarily have the most ideal setup. And, uh, you know, there's there's children running around this house. There's yoga classes going on. There's a lot going on around me. And you've got warm beer. Well, that warm. It's growlers are amazing. Well, that's where we differ, because I actually have a nice, cold Victoria 40 ounce beer from the local Tiendita here in Xochitlpec, Mexico, that cost me all of it's actually 48 pesos, which is about two and a half dollars. But it's it's only that because here, like if you buy a, a big bottle of beer like this, you're supposed to drink it. Then you're supposed to bring it back to the store. And then they give you a new one for only like 15 pesos more. So most of this price I paid is for this bottle that I can later return for a new one. There so, you go. 
So yeah, this is going to be a little different episode because neither of us have our normal uh, uh, our normal setups and we are both drinking. So, you know, it's going to be fun. That's all I know. <laughs> we're, we're in a whole new world, Mark. And speaking of whole new world, for us to understand the whole new world we're in, we've got to go back to the whole new world where heroes reborn return again. Where did they go into a pocket universe? And now they're back with Onslaught hunting them. I made that up on the fly, kids. That's talent. That, that was pure Disney magic right there. And speaking <laughs> of Disney magic, Mark, I've got two of some of our favorite people in this story, Jeff Loeb and Rob Liefeld, coming back together a decade later than... Uh, I mean, to, to come back in an event that almost nobody thought was going to happen. We've spoken a little bit about the hero reborn, the heroes reborn era of Marvel. It was Marvel's first attempt at a big continuity reboot. This is the upcoming sequel to it that came out in 2005. And um, I, I've always loved Heroes Reborn. It was one of the first things I got into when I started collecting like older comics. And for me, it was older comics because like I've said on the show many times, I was a child of the ultimate comics that were meant to get millennials and other young people in the early 2000s. But and it worked. It, it, Here you are. And this, uh, this, this Heroes Reborn series, this Onslaught Reborn story that we're going to cover today is probably one of my personal favorites. Well, that is interesting because this story... I had never heard of this when you actually when I saw this, I was I remember we have a little document where we share our whole podcast schedule on we're always kind of adjusting. And I was looking down and I saw the next episode. I was like, Onslaught, Onslaught Reborn. Is this a joke? Is this like a parody comic? Was this a real thing that happened? But no, turns out it was a real thing that happened. Um, I I had some initial thoughts about it before reading it. And I have slightly different thoughts after reading it. I don't want to reveal what any of those thoughts are because I want to I want to let the mystery unfold live here. I want you to live in the moment with us. Um, but before we get into the story, um, well, first of all, any housekeeping we got going on? I guess we got we have uh, some amazing stuff going on on our Patreon, as always. Um, I've personally been cranking out a little more extra content now that I've had a little more downtime here in Mexico. I was able to pump out a new random Marvel Comics podcast to our Patreon feed that just dropped, looking at a Silver Age story. I just dropped this one today. Invaders number 12, a Silver Age comic that takes place in the Golden Age. So it's like Tales of Yore of the of the World War II Invaders. Had, had a really fun time reading that one, actually. And then I've also been going through what we have dubbed my fuck it pile, the, the pile of comics that are neither bagged nor boarded that are housed at my uh, my house in Connecticut. I grabbed a chunk of them and I'm slowly going through those and doing reviews of those on the Patreon. So I looked at Extreme Sacrifice number one and I will soon be looking at Extreme Sacrifice number two. What do these two comics have in common with the comic we're going to be looking at today? That is the art by one Rob Liefeld. Uh, I want one of the trinity of second print like saints right there in terms of some of our favorite people. But, uh, you know, Mark, this is something that was, I think you were probably in your in your mid-teens when this came out. Were you familiar with the Heroes Reborn era? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I, this was like right in the midst of my my huge comic fanhood. So I I remember everything. I remember uh, the Onslaught, I don't know what they called it, the Onslaught Saga or whatever it may have been that, that led up to Heroes Reborn. Uh, I collected, I'm pretty sure I collected all of the Heroes Reborn comics. I know I, know I definitely collected Captain America, Fantastic Four. I'm not sure if I had all of the Avengers I definitely dipped my toe into it, but no, I was, I was, I was all in. I mean, this is the, this is the point in my comic career where Marvel could 
you got a Marvel event, guess what? I'm in. Like they, they were they were selling me on just about everything. Same with DC. Uh, so I, I'm certainly familiar with the entire event. Um, maybe before, and, and we also looked at some of the aftermath. Uh, I think um, maybe like four or five, eh, probably longer, probably a couple months ago, we, uh, we looked at the Avengers that came out of Heroes Return, which was when they all came back from the Heroes Reborn universe. Remzo, I'm going to leave this one to you. Why don't you give everybody a... I don't know, 30 to 60 second recap of all of Onslaught and Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return. Well, Mark, Can you do? I'll do one better because it actually slides right into the first couple pages of Heroes Reborn issue one. So here we go. We open it up to a fantastic full or of, of Onslaught Reborn. Of Onslaught Reborn. It all, yeah. It's all the same thing. The kids, Whatever. The it's all reborn. How the books work. <laughs> we started drinking, folks. You can imagine. So yeah, we're in is issue a, one. It's a drinky episode, folks. We, we're on issue one of Onslaught Reborn. We open up to a giant full page spread of Liefeld drawing the sexy Scarlet Witch screaming no more mutant. By the way, wow. Wow. She's got it going <laughs> on. And basically, here's what, here's what you need to know because I'll condense it because uh, Dude, look at the abs on this Scarlet Witch. I guess part of that's maybe her corset. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it, it's it's all of it. Just admire all of it. But anyway, she you see her casting a hex and she screams no more mutants. Here's the big condensed version. In the early 90s, Professor X and Magneto got into a fight. Because of that fight, using both of those Omega-level mutants' powers, they somehow merged consciousness and formed a giant evil, like, psychic demon monster named onslaught and onslaught tried to basically kill the marvel universe and what it wanted to do was it wanted to basically erase the entire marvel 616 world in order to go ahead and actually fight onslaught though they had to bring in what at the time they thought was the strongest mutant on earth franklin richards so what do you mean at the time at the time because you know Jonathan Hickman hates fans. He wants to. Oh yeah, because Hickman unmutanted him. Yeah, he unmutant. He took away his mutant card, Mark. So uh, what Franklin Richards has to do is he can't just destroy Onslaught. So what he has to do is he has to create a pocket dimension to shoot him into that will trap him. But in order for that to happen, somebody actually has to push him in. So the Avengers and the Fantastic Four sacrifice themselves to push Onslaught into this world. But as a result, they lose their lives. So for over five years, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four are, quote, dead in the main Marvel universe. Was it supposed to be five years, continuity-wise? It's supposed to be like that. Yeah, so... Yeah. It, was, it was one year in, in real life, but we all know comic comic world works differently yeah so basically they get shoved into this world everyone thinks they're dead right wrong what ends up happening is they basically start brand new lives in a brand new world of no memory with no powers nothing starting from scratch and whole new continuities and this was done in order for marvel to try their first big reboot of very what what, what someone consider floundering comic titles with new artists and writers such as Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee, and Rob Liefeld. They were the ones in charge of it. So we saw a brand new origin for Captain America, a brand new Iron Man title, a brand new Fantastic Four title, a brand new Avengers title. These titles did great until Marvel is like, now we kind of want to bring them back into the main world. That's when some stuff goes down. Franklin saves everyone because he wants his family and friends back. And the heroes return. Dr. Doom was involved. Some shit happened and they're back. And because comics, everything kind of went on. However, 
And this is where we see Scarlet Witch. In 2005, there was a series called House of M. House of M was where they messed up the world again, and they put everyone in alternate reality. And at the end of it, the Scarlet Witch got so pissed with everyone, she said no more mutants. So the mutant population went down from like several million to just a couple hundred. But what ends up happening, too, is that because of her hex magic, she causes a rip in space-time, which causes Onslaught to come back and that's where we are right now yeah i i, I thought it was an interesting I, I did really like the the no more mutants you know house of m tie-in to set this all up um you know could 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 go without the explanation of of how that somehow recreated onslaught but whatever it got us here and and because comics here we are and because comics things get stranger we see that after that Somehow Onslaught is back from wherever the hell he was. And who does he want? He wants the person that caused all of his problems. He wants Franklin Richards. So he comes back and immediately he's looking scary as shit in the rubble of some street in New York. And he's screaming, where is the boy? Where is Franklin Richards? So am I supposed to think that Onslaught was like, what What was going on in between here? Was he supposed to have been trapped still in the pocket universe did the pocket universe get destroyed and then copied by the one we're going to see later or was he just reformed or what was he doing this whole time so or did I, he even not it ahead. just didn't exist yeah so I'll, I'll go ahead and explain that in a minute but the last time okay. we saw onslaught in the late 90s he was dead but with the potential to come back so that oh, way they could do something like this years later so basically now we're at the bat what well, now we're at some type of like you know, asteroid field where Franklin Richards is running away somehow in space. Don't ask me why. It doesn't make much sense. And he's being chased by a villain named Blastar. And something's wrong. What ends up happening is uh, the thing comes in, you know, everyone's favorite big orange Rocky monster. And he goes ahead and saves little Franklin, who's running away from Blastar, this evil alien. And what turns out is that they're actually in a giant training room that somehow Franklin was in doing whatever, playing training. And I don't know what kids do. And very, uh, very X-Men danger room vibes here. Yeah. And what, what ends up freaking both of them out is that Franklin was doing something, but things got off the handle and he could have actually gotten hurt. And the thing is freaking out because all the safety mechanisms have been taken down. So he can dish out all the damage, but none of the bad guys in the simulation are going to pull punches. So they know that something is wrong and Franklin doesn't know what's going on. The thing doesn't know what's going on. They're trying to figure it out with each other when suddenly, bam, the human torch comes in and attacks both of them, except something's wrong with them. His voice is all dark, evil and demonic. And he's like, if you protect the child, you will die with the child. And what ends up happening is they're like, Johnny, what the hell is going on? And it gets to the point where uh, Franklin is like, oh, my gosh, I, I think I know that voice. So the thing stays behind and he fights this possessed Johnny Storm while Franklin runs off for shelter. They fight. We see a couple of cool spreads where we actually see the thing actually getting pretty violent with his teammate because he's possessed and everything. And just as soon as they think that, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out this giant um, pipe from the wall and kind of like cool down Johnny. No, no, you know, because water beats fire. Everyone's everyone knows that he he thinks he's got a moment to kind of calm him down. But the human torch just completely blasts him through a wall and they're falling off of the Baxter building. So what ends up happening is 
the torch is down because he fell and the thing grabbed him. The thing is, you know, he's getting up, they crashed on a taxi and they're like, oh man, what's going on? And suddenly the thing realizes that Johnny's no longer talking all evil and demonic. Like he's like, Hey Ben, what the hell is going on? At that point, the thing realizes, Oh no, whatever was possessing Johnny is back up with Franklin. So Franklin is running and he's screaming, mom, dad, where are you guys? So Mr. Fantastic comes around the corner and he's like, Hey buddy, what's up? And Franklin's like, dad, like something's wrong. Like we need to hide. So, you know, Mr. Fantastic's like, Hey bud, nothing's wrong. And next thing you know, Franklin looks at him and he's like, wait a second, you're not my dad. And now Reed, Mr. Fantastic has the same evil demonic voice and red eyes. And he's like, I'm within your father controlling his every thought. Surely you remember me, child. You remember onslaught and as soon as you know everyone franklin's like dude i'm 12 i barely remember shit yeah i mean kids these days you don't know uh but anyway as soon as you know evil onslaught reed richards is about to kill franklin who do we have everyone's favorite member of the fantastic four the invisible woman and all that life felt greatness unfortunately without the mid-90s invisible woman uh sexy upgrade oh the uh, boob window Oh, yeah. Big fan. Yeah, big some fan. things weren't always that great. So what ends up happening is Mr. Fantastic goes to attack Sue because now Sue's the only thing that's going to stop him from killing Reed. And, uh, you know, Sue is just like, Franklin, you got to run. You got to run. So what ends up happening is Reed is going full elastic force on her. Meanwhile, she's using all of her shield powers to stop Onslaught at the same time, not kill her husband. So they end up basically making each other just black out in the middle of this fight. Uh, And at this point, Franklin is running towards his room. And what he does is he opens up a drawer and inside the drawer, he has this giant glowing ball. It's like a like that's just like that's just in it looks like a, like a box of toys. Like it's in the building, <laughs> it's just mixing with his shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, he's like, "Okay, I've got to do this." And we're just wondering, like, what's he got to do? And onslaught comes behind him, and he's like, "Not this time, child. You will not save your family. You will die first, and then I will kill every hero this universe has ever known." And Franklin's like, "Mom, Dad." I love you both so much. And then out of nowhere, Franklin disappears. And Onslaught's like, hey, what the hell? Meanwhile, we, we go to the next page. And Mr. Fantastic and the Thing, they've both woken up. You know, Thing's upstairs. Mr. Fantastic's no longer possessed and stuff. And they're running towards Franklin's room. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, what's going on? We, we got we to gotta save Franklin. And then they get to the room. And they see that Onslaught's not there. But that glowing ball that Franklin was holding is there. So now we go back to Franklin. We see him standing. All right, wait. Time out. Time out. Time out. Just so I can follow along here, because these are the these are the questions I was thinking as I was reading it. So is this little ball universe? This is like the Heroes Reborn universe in theory, right? Well, I'll I'll go ahead and spoil it. Everything in Heroes Return happened. They all, all all of that happens. However, you can't destroy matter. Only Onslaught can destroy matter. So in order to bring the heroes back, what Franklin had to do is he had to create an exact copy of the world where the events of Heroes Reborn didn't happen. Therefore, he could go ahead and bring his family and friends back into the main continuity while not destroying and and killing everyone from the Heroes Reborn universe. Hmm. Okay. So it's basically a it's basically a backup drive. Yeah. In it's this little ball drive. here. Okay. 
I'll, I'll accept that because so, comics. So basically, in order to protect everyone from that universe, he had to jump into his pocket universe. And while he's there, I think he's at uh, the George Washington Bridge in New York. He's hiding. He's freaking out. And meanwhile, somebody's running towards him. And she's like, hey, hey, kid, what are you doing up there? And he's like, I'm hiding. And she says, well, you picked a good spot for it. Not a lot of people hang out up here. You got a name? And this is when we're introduced to a character we've not seen in almost a decade, Ricky Barnes. Ricky Barnes is Bucky in the Heroes Reborn universe. And she was a pure, original Liefeld creation. And at this point, this is when we know, oh, shoot, he's actually in the Heroes Reborn verse. So Bucky and Franklin are meeting each other. She wants to make sure she's okay. He's hiding to make sure Onslaught can't find him. Well, sucks because as soon as they're about to, you know, become friends and everything, who shows up behind them? Onslaught. And he says they he was hiding from me. And And he looks scary. End of this issue one. I will say Onslaught looks really, really scary in this. He's freaking terrifying in the 90s most intense way that can be. Yeah. And I will say, like, my first thoughts on this, like, when I saw this, when I saw that this existed, first of all, let alone that you had it on this list, I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, Onslaught Reborn? What the, what is this? Um, but just, just from the first issue alone, my thoughts kind of dissipated because it's, okay, so this is not, like, some some genius work or anything like that, but it really took me back to the nineties, like seeing Rob Liefeld's art throughout this book. And, and it, it, the book is, it's fun. All right. It's not Alan Moore. It's not, you know, Neil Gaiman type writing, but it's fun. And it pulls you right in. And it like, that wasn't me speeding. That's just me going at the natural pace of the book. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I was ready to d- dislike it. And I will say after the first issue, I at least didn't hate it. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, uh... Like, this isn't even something for a lot of veteran readers, and this certainly isn't what I'd consider something for a lot of new readers. It's fan service for people who liked this specific era and this specific style of art and storytelling. So for this sure. is really for a very select group of readers. Yep. And when you're Marvel, you can do stuff like that. When you have a you know 50 books in a month, you can you can have a miniseries that's just targeted towards a certain niche audience who you want to maybe recapture or or have them reminisce about some things they used to enjoy in their younger years. So yeah, and I mean this is why I love the team of Jeff Loeb and Rob Liefeld because what Loeb does is he for Liefeld specifically is he kind of like gives him the general outline and boundaries of where the story is going, and then life and then he just lets Liefeld go to town with it. Because really, it's it's a story of very, you know, quick dialogue, not a lot of giant, you know, minute details and big progressions or anything. It's just a lot of ass kicking. I mean, that that section where um, the thing in the human torture fighting is like three, four pages alone in a 16 page book. So, I mean, it's really it, it's very action oriented. Yep, indeed. Yeah. So now we're on to issue two. And I just got to say, what I love about this era is I, I love what I love about the series is I really love the covers. We get to see Thor and I think one of his most badass incarnations because he looks like something between like, you know, a, a rock star and an absolute like warrior Viking. Like Thor doesn't look intimidating in a lot of the comics, whereas here, Liefeld really tries to remind people Thor's a freaking warrior. And he will kill the living shit out of a lot of bad guys if he has to. And then in the background, you see um, the Heroes Reborn Iron Man costume, which is, I'll admit, kind of freaky. 
Uh, I, I, you're more of a Fantastic Four guy than than I am, Mark. I liked the Heroes Reborn um, Fantastic Four uniforms. Usually they go for just the regular uh, blue and black motif, but I like the white. I like the way that he did it. Yeah, so, I mean, j- just looking at this era of very 90s stylized costumes, I mean, what do, what do you think of the Fantastic Four? Because personally, they're one of my favorites. Oh, when they have like the, uh, yeah, like the, the part white and the little four in the corner? Yeah. Uh, I like them. I think they're snazzy. Yeah. I, again, it's it's nothing compared to the uh, the revealing mid '90s Sue Richards outfit that I'll always be fond, <laughs> fond of. But uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do like this version of the Fantastic Four outfit. It it it's true to the original, but it's it's sleeker and it's a uh, I don't know. It feels '90s. Yeah, I mean that's why I like about it because with issue one they're easing into setting the stage for the story. Now, as soon as Rich as uh, Franklin Richards is in the pocket dimension, we're back full '90s, and it, it it's so beautiful. So now we pick up with issue two, and Ricky Barnes is like, uh, Franklin, like this beast who followed you from where you came from. I mean, is that is 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 that it? Is it that thing? And he's like, Yep. And Onslaught comes over and he's just, he's like something out of a Zack Snyder movie. He's like, I am death. And like Ricky is just making fun of him. She's like, you're death. I thought death would look more like Brad Pitt. And Onslaught is like, child, I'm only here for Franklin Richards. I can spare you or fillet you. It makes no difference. And Ricky's like, well, it would make a difference to me. Is it my imagination or is he just getting bigger? And basically Onslaught is like something out of a, a terrifying anime film. He's just getting more monstrous looking and he's just becoming even bigger. He's just freaking terrifying. So he starts chasing them and they're just freaking the hell out. Eventually they're about to go ahead and fall off the bridge and they're calling for help. And at that point you're thinking, Oh shit, I'm going to die. I hope somebody can save me. And just like an epic um, Jeff Loeb fashion, he does that exact same thing. You see Captain America jumping from a freaking jet with his shield and everything. And he says, it doesn't matter what decade I wake up in. There's always some madman who builds himself up by picking on women and children. And he freaking shield smashes onslaught across the face. Like he's nothing. Mark, what do you think of that introduction? I I love it. It's perfect in so many ways. It's so true to the captain America character. It doesn't matter how scary the situation, how outmatched he might be if he's facing. I mean, he obviously has no idea what this creature is, but I don't know, man, I'm probably not jumping out of a jet plane to to attack this thing with my freaking shield. Uh, But that's exactly what captain America does. And he gets in a good whack. Like right when he lands, he whams uh, literally wham is is the, uh, the word balloon we see whams onslaught right in the face. And then like jumps back, jumps on his back, whams him again with a shield. And, and you actually see blood coming out of Onslaught. So like this man who is who who is basically a man. I mean, yes, he has the super, super soldier, super soldier serum. Try saying that seven <laughs> times fast. Um, but this is not the Hulk. This is not the Thor. This is basically a slightly stronger man. And he he takes it to Onslaught, which I just I just loved. And it was also nice to see like this is, you know, to to fans of the Heroes Reborn universe, like based on the outfit and the style stylization of Rob Liefeld. This is obviously not our Captain America. It is the Heroes Reborn Captain America. Yeah. What, what I got to say about this Captain America is that he's always giving a speech. Like, that's the thing about Loeb. Like, you either love it or hate it. A lot of people, and I always thought it was kind of cheesy, 
But like looking back at it, it's like, you know what? I'm not mad. It just works. It works here too, because he's especially like, he's he's like you know, talking about, oh, he's like, it's called the American flag, bitch. I added the bitch again. <laughs> I like to do that sometimes. But, and, and Catherine, and they get into this like conversation. Like he's like, uh, Catherine America's like, folks have tried to burn it, spin on it, disrespect it. And also like, like, I care nothing for your politics. And he's like, this has nothing to do with politics. For over 200 years, this flag has been a symbol of hope around the world. And then Onslaught's all, then by killing you, let me send a different message to your insignificant world. Onslaught cannot be denied. And that's when Captain America just flips on his back and just just slams that shield right into Onslaught's neck. So I love it. Like Captain America, he's he's jumping in to save save Bucky, save Franklin, who he doesn't even know who the hell he is yet. And and even Onslaught here is like, you hurt me. Like like not expecting that at all. Uh, and then of course he's ready to to bring hell hell upon uh, Captain America. Yeah, but just like any good fight. You got to bring your friends to the bar, folks. As mm-hmm. soon as we think that Cap is down for the count, he's about to go kill Bucky and Franklin. We see the inclusion, the epic appearance for the first time in the series of Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Thor looking as 90s as hell. And Thor's about to smack him with Mjolnir, and you see Iron Man just blasting him like a freaking hand cannon. This is when the explosions were bigger, the muscles were larger, and the action was just so obstructively in your face. So they start just kicking the living shit out of them. And the fight goes on for a few more pages and they're actually doing pretty well. They, they fight like a team. And then because he's got to do it, Cap is like, okay, on three, one, two, Avengers assemble. And they all just bum rush him, pushing him off the George Washington bridge. And, you know, I, I guess he just disappears at that point. But the next time we pick up, they're on the Quinjet. We see the inclusion of swordsmen, uh, Tigra, yeah, it's Tigra, and uh, Hawkeye, and they all- <laughs> and a, a, a very odd look. It took me a second, and we'll we'll get to this later. I guess yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the reveal. But let's just say Hawkeye, Hawkeye looks different. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about Hawkeye. If anybody's following along, reading this at home, they will know what I mean. But for those that aren't, we'll just save this reveal for later. Yeah. So basically, they're like, Franklin, where are your parents, kid? And he's like, we got to go. They're the Fantastic Four. And they're like, "Uh, Sue and Franklin Richards don't have kids. But obviously, that thing is not from this world. It was following you. So he might as well go figure it out. I mean, after all, Reed Richards is the smartest man in the world. So they end up going to uh, the Baxter building where Captain America and Iron Man are trying to explain what just happened. And Mr. Fantastic is like, fast after they've spoken, fascinating. I've postulated the theory that there are other dimensions where doppelgangers of ourselves exist. I only recently became uh, aware of these so-called counter-Earths, which mirror our own on the other side of the sun. But it's populated by these beast men. If the boy says it's true, we might be looking at some future version of our own timeline to which Captain America is like, hey, uh, that's just it, Reed. According to Franklin, we're not copies of the heroes on his world. And Iron Man jumps in and he's like, we are those heroes, um, you know, shunted off to some other kind of hidden dimension, reborn, so to speak. So <laughs> we're going to really gonna drive this reborn thing home. Yeah. So Reed looks back at them and he's like, gentlemen, as much as my heart desires marrying Susan Storm, there are no immediate plans for such an event. I'm sure. Franklin's <laughs> fine. I just love the way Reed talks. It's like it's like any other guy would be would be if they were like, 
hadn't got quite gotten to that point in their relationship. And then someone brings it up. They're like, well, well, I, well, I'd certainly like to do that in the future. Uh, like uh, we haven't m- made that plan yet, but, it, but it's done through the Reed Richards. Like I'm the scientist dialogue. And I, I just, it just really cracked me up. Yeah. And, and basically he's just like, I don't know what Franklin is, but he's not my kid. Meanwhile, they, they need to go ahead and comfort Franklin. They need more answers. And Reed is just, you know, he's just too logical. So what they end up bringing in Susan Storm and Reed runs, I'm sorry, and Franklin runs over to him and he's like, mom. And Susan's like, uh, mom, well, I mean, that's cute. And Franklin's like, I mean, you, you don't know who I am. And she's just really confused. So Hawkeye comes in and he's like, I hate breaking up this little family picnic, but we just got word that Hulk. And before he finishes the sentence, um, this giant like piece of machinery looks like a tractor or something flies through the side of the Baxter building and everyone's freaking out. And the thing is just like, ah, uh, that's not something you see every day. So they all kind of, you know, step around Franklin and the fantastic four is still trying to figure out like, who's this kid calling his mom, dad, uncle. And at this point, uh, we, we end up going off somewhere else. We're in some type of like, I think we're in some type of swamp in the next page and we see the enchantress and what she's doing is she's seeing that, huh, something is wrong with the world. There's something from outside of our dimension. Meanwhile, who ends up flying in behind her Loki Prince of mischief. If you've seen any of the MCU films, at least, you know, who Loki is, it's Thor's evil half brother. So, uh, at this point, uh, Thor is trying to find where the Hulk is because somehow, you know, he threw something in the Baxter building, but he didn't come in. So they're trying to find him. Uh, Iron Man's trying to find him. Next, you know, they get around the city and they're like, Hulk, hey, man, like, what, what's up? And Hulk starts looking at them and he's like, ha, ah, Hammer Man wants to fight Hulk. Hulk is strongest there is. But even though he talks like Hulk, he sounds different and his eyes are red. What the Enchantress saw was that Onslaught was looking for the strongest being in the world, which happens to be the Hulk. So now Thor and Iron Man are about to get into it with him. And as Thor's about to head down and actually begin to, you know, figure out how to get Onslaught out of Hulk, Hulk just completely beats the shit out of him. And that's what leaves us at the end of issue two. Indeed. And um, yeah, I don't know how much more I can add. Like this, this book is, it's very much action centric. Uh, It's just really about reminiscing uh for those that have that that remember these stories remember these versions of the characters uh it's about bringing us back to those times but i mean to me like the story's fine i i'm not offended by the story it's not bad it's not great but i i am getting the nostalgia feel like like it is fun to see rob liefeld uh get back into these characters even you know, I I can't really remember what my memories are of Heroes Reborn. I probably remember thinking it was a cool concept, but I also remember being a lot more excited at Heroes Return. Like I was excited when they came back, when the Avengers came back, when, Ca- when Captain America came back, because then it was like, all right, we're getting everything back to where where it was, uh, to what I what I remember growing up with uh, prior to that. But but I always enjoyed just just the fact of the heroes reborn universe, like, like forget the actual titles themselves, more the fact that they brought in who, which seemed unfathomable six or seven years before this, they brought Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee back to work on Marvel books again. Uh, That was just such a cool thing at the time. And seeing this, seeing Rob Liefeld get back involved with these characters again here, 
now for me as a 40 year old man that had never read the story before, I'm kind of getting those vibes again. Like it's almost like I don't care as much what's going on in the story. To me, it's just kind of cool to see Rob Liefeld getting to play with these characters again. Do, do you almost wish they had done like a split continuity where obviously the heroes return to the main universe and you get all the original continuity from Marvel, but you have a separate universe just for the heroes reborn heroes kind of like what we had of ultimate marvel not really <laughs> I, th- I think i think what we've got is enough I, I think it's one of those things that it's a nice thing to reminisce upon if you were there uh but i don't think we needed like the last 20 years to also have a parallel heroes reborn universe um any more than i thought we needed to have a parallel ultimate universe i mean ultimate universe was basically the same concept as heroes reborn in the, in the sense that okay that's a lot of these same characters but we're giving them slightly tweaked origins and we're doing it like from the beginning like they're all new to this universe so to me they're very similar maybe not in execution but in concept but you know i'm a, i'm a continuity guy and I like to be able to keep track of my continuity, which is obviously like a, a, a yeoman's task, yeoman America's task here in comic book land in general. Um, but the less parallel reality is going on at the same time, the better for me in general. So I just kind of like when it's all in one universe. I'm cool with Elseworlds tales. I'm cool with alternate takes on universes that we we dip our toe into. But I don't need I don't need simultaneous like continuities going on in my life. So I, I can't say it it makes me yearn for more of this. It, it makes me yearn for just this amount of this, I'd say. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I mean, with this, I always felt like there was a shelf life. I just wish there was more story to tell because for a lot of these books, like Captain America, Iron Man, Avengers at the time, it's like just when they really started becoming like their own, then it was time for Heroes Return. So it was almost like mm-hmm. there's so much potential for stuff that should have probably been done, but they went ahead and just rushed to the finish line primarily Marvel wanted those titles back. I often wonder what it, what the world would have been like if instead of Jim Lee selling Wildstorm to uh, do DC that if that making that, because he was trying to make basically the same deal with Marvel, in which point he would become editor in chief of Marvel and he would sort of absorb, he would essentially have become Marvel comics. They would have been, they were essentially going to farm out the Marvel titles to Jim Lee, to like Wildstorm Studios, and Wildstorm Studios would have would have basically been the producer of these Marvel licensed comics. And it's just it's just interesting for me to think what what the comic book world would would be like right now if if that is what happened. But instead, Jim Lee ended up going and making that basically that same same deal with DC. And you know he didn't end up taking over all the DC titles like like he was trying to do with Marvel. And Rob Liefeld lays all this story out at least from his perspective um, on, on his podcast, which uh, I, I I can't recommend highly enough. I can rec- I can rec- recommend it as the third best comic book podcast after. Second Print Comics podcast, Weird Science, and then then listen to uh, observations. But uh, yeah, he goes through all this stuff. It's just it's just interesting to think about where we might have been and, and it had where where we might be in alternate realities if some of these we should do like a what if episode of but of real life. Like what if Jim Lee had had taken over Marvel with Wildstorm Studios? What if JFK sort of had not been assassinated? how would that affect the marvel universe oh my gosh so anyway we're on to issue three uh thor is still in the fight and he picks up mjolnir and he looks at the hulk dead in the eyes as he's possessed by onslaught and he's like if you're the strongest there is your death will seal my reign so what ends up happening is he went 
onslaught went from the Hulk to Thor. And now Hulk is like, uh, dude, what the hell? So they just fight. And what I love is I, I always feel like they always held back, um, you know, certain characters who we always wanted to see fight in the comics. Like I love watching Thor and Hulk fight. I love watching um, Hulk and Wolverine fight and thing and Hulk fight primarily these people who are supposed to be as tough as the Hulk, but not quite the Hulk as we discuss a lot in the world War Hulk episode from a few weeks back, but they're just beating the shit out of each other. And just as, you know, um, onslaught Thor basically has Hulk down and he's about to just go ahead and smash his head in with the hammer. Uh, the hammer falls back and onslaught Thor is like my strength. What madness is this? Why can't I lift the hammer? And he's trying to lift it. And he's like, no being can deny me, not let alone some tool to defy my power. And what we know is that no one that's not Thor can hold and wield Mjolnir because they're not worthy. Well, no one that's not worthy. Yeah, no one who's not worthy. So because even though it's Thor, the hammer knows it's not Thor, that it was cheap. Yeah. So this gives the Hulk enough time to, you know, get back up and he's about to go ahead and smash Thor. And right before, you know, Onslaught Thor, right before that happens, Onslaught jumps from Thor's body to Hulk's body. And he's like, I'm going to simply control the other one then. And then Thor looks up and he's like, oh, by Odin's blood, my mind is clear at last. Just as he's gone ahead and smacked him and then he picks him up and punches him across New York City. And then at this point, you know, Onslaught still hasn't gotten it. He's like, ah, you know, I guess this guy's strong enough to lift the hammer. He goes from Mjolnir and then he reads the side of the hammer that says, whoever wields the hammer, if thee be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. So he's like, ah, I'm Onslaught. I'm, you know, my worthiness (laughs) is based on... Obviously, I'm worthy. No one's more worthy than fucking Onslaught. Yeah, but, you know, because neither Thor or Hulk together could go ahead and try and beat Onslaught, who ends up coming in, (laughs) the world's most useless hero. Whack, whack, whack. We see the arrows come in. He turns around Onslaught Hulk and he's like, who dares? And he sees Hawkeye. But don't worry, it's not just Hawkeye. It's Hawkeye, the Human Torch, Iron Man, Tigra, Swordsman, and Captain America. And Captain America yells, Torch, Iron Man, head north. You've got to find Thor. If I'm to understand correctly, he's got less than 60 seconds. I don't know what he's... Oh, yeah, basically those uh, th- those arrows that, you know, worthless Hawkeye shot aren't that worthless. Uh, basically, they're adamantium tips outfitted yeah. in a way that could go ahead and actually hurt the Hulk. So because it's actually her onslaught, they bought a minute of time. So I love how I love how Onslaught just doesn't get it. He's like, first, he can't lift the hammer when he's Thor. He's like, oh, OK, no worries. I'll just transfer to Hulk's body. Like, he's strong. He can lift it up for sure. And then he still can't lift it. He's like, what the fuck is this? I'm Onslaught. I'm worthy. I, I just love that whole sequence where he thinks it's going to be as simple as just jumping to the Hulk's body. Uh, whereas, no, man, you ain't worthy. It doesn't matter whose body you're in. You're Onslaught. You're a bitch and you can't lift this thing. Yeah, so Tigra and Swordsman, the, the the people who aren't good enough against the Hulk, nonetheless Onslaught Hulk, they're basically like, they're, they're actually kind of brave. They know they can't do much, but they can distract them. So they're going ahead and they're, you know, they're quickly distracting the Hulk. Meanwhile, Captain America runs to Hawkeye and he's like, Hawkeye, somehow this Onslaught can possess each and every one of us. Find them or the Avengers are going to die out here. And Hawkeye's like, why? What, why, what makes you think I can find? 
whatever we need. So Captain America gets in his face and he's like, you don't think I know who you are under that mask? Find Onslaught, soldier. And there's just this pause and Hawkeye just kind of looks at him. And just describe Hawkeye. He's fully covered head to toe, but he doesn't look like Hawkeye in any of the other comics. To spoil it, he kind of looks like a certain X-Man. So after that pause, <laughs> Hawkeye looks dead, you know, dead set in the eyes of Gats America. And he's like, when this is over, you and me are going to have a various sit down, bub. Bub. <laughs> all I'm going to say about that one for now. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you if anyone's reading, it's obvious from the beginning who it is. But we'll still wait for the reading. Yeah. But anyway, the, the Avengers are just completely losing to Onslaught Hulk, but they still fight valiantly. Meanwhile, um, what ended up happening is Thor was thrown into space, but because he was pulled away from his hammer, he reverted back into his human counterpart form of Donald Blake, who's about to suffocate in space. So um, Iron Man's able to grab him before he completely dies. And uh, at this point, you know, the Hulk is completely like torn apart the Avengers. We see another panel and I don't like the way the panel artists work because we don't really know who is where and when all this is happening. But what we see is that the hammer, the, the hammer is turned into a stick, you know, Donald, Donald Blake's cane, so to speak. So when he turns back and when Thor turns into Donald Blake, the hammer turns into a stick cane. Uh, somehow, uh, Onslaught is mad, so he picks it up and throws it into the ocean. And who ends up picking it up? Namor the Submariner. Who else? It happens to be just in the right spot Did in the Namor ocean. Namor show up earlier? Not in this series, no. So, okay, here's the first appearance of Namor in Onslaught Reborn. In fact, I'm not even sure. I, I don't remember if he appeared at all in um in the original he, he Heroes Reborn, but it's definitely in his, a, his first appearance. Fantastic Four one by Jim Lee. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he was heavy. Heavy, they went heavy on the invisible women Namor thing in that one. Yeah, if I recall. Yeah, the, the best shipping. Very heavy. Uh, so, so anyway, Iron Man comes back, and Iron Man basically has this one boost in his armor, where basically he can put so much strength and power into his gauntlets, he can knock down the Hulk, but he can only do it once. So he he comes down, flying down, and he hits the Hulk so freaking hard in the head he's like i hope someday you'll forgive me and what that does is it knocks out the hulk while getting rid of onslaught so they all think oh my gosh like we, we stopped this immediate problem man like this is good but we gotta find onslaught sadly what we see is that uh iron man lifts up his gauntlet and repulsor blasts cap in the head and he's like cap that isn't going to be a problem because now onslaught is in iron man so we, we go ahead and leave that. We're in the next page. We see that the Human Torch is carrying in the body of Donald Blake into the Baxter building. And they're just like, man, like Onslaught's just tearing everyone apart. Meanwhile, uh, we're in the Baxter building kitchen. And Ricky Barnes has just made her and Franklin some breakfast. And they're just like, hey, man, you know, we just got chill. All the heroes are going to take care of it. They always do. And Franklin's freaking out because as they look into the living room, they see the masters of evil, the executioner, the Scarlet Witch, who apparently got a boob job from issue one, <laughs> Enchantress, and Ultron 5. So basically... Um, well, because issue one was actually MCU 616 Scarlet Witch. So I guess the Heroes Reborn Scarlet Witch just... Just has bigger titties. Yeah, just <laughs> So anyway, what what ends up happening is the Masters of Evil. My God, and they are they are Jesus. They're just wow. 
Bam, like Pam Anderson. Try, I'm trying not to make this the misogynist hour, but I mean, it, it's not our fault. We're, we're we're males and we're looking at this we art from Rob Life. What do you want us to say? I love the 90s. I grew up, I was a teenager at the right time in comic art. Let me, let me tell you that. Yeah, so basically the masters of evil are there. And what they basically say is, hey, listen, we're not here to cause any problems. In fact, what we want to do is we want to stop Onslaught. And while Loki's about to go ahead and do his classic thing of telling you the whole supervillain plan, we see the invisible woman is there, uh, you know, sneaking up on them. But she's there with Ant-Man, who doesn't look like regular Ant-Man. This looks like Ant-Man. He looks actually awesome. That is a perfect thing to call him, Battle Ant-Man. Zack Snyder's Ant-Man right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the Snyder cut of Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> so anyway, that that's the end of issue three. I, I was excited by this because I, I just in general, I'm I'm kind of a fan of the trope where in uh, a team of villains who are certainly villainous and certainly up to no good, they come in and despite the fact that they have completely different agendas, they end up going to team with the superheroes because there is a greater threat that threatens them all. And uh, I can see that was clearly being being built up here. So I, I was a fan to see this this element out of the story and a fan of of uh, the enhanced version of Scarlet Witch. <laughs> We're feminists. Do what you want with your body. We support you. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm as feminist as it comes and I fully support her right to wear that bustier. Hey, like no, no complaints here. Anyway, we're moving on. Issue four opens up with cap and i and onslaught iron man i can't wait till i run for president one day and, and all the clips come out of me just being a, a, a drooling uh misogynist on over comic book characters <laughs> get, get, gets put together. they come for us all <laughs> exactly um we we go on issue four and it basically just picks up with cap and iron man fighting each other and it's it, it, it's just more Liefeld action. Like I could go through the dialogue, but it doesn't really matter because what's awesome are the punches, the lasers. I mean, this is a very 90 style. This is why you love Rob Liefeld or you hate him, but he's never not going to give you epic fights every single panel. So what ends up happening is, uh, you know, because Onslaught is not these heroes. He doesn't know how their powers really work as we saw with the Hulk and Thor earlier. So because of that, uh, Captain America knows that he's not fighting Tony Stark in the armor. He's fighting someone that has no clue how the armor works. It's actually the worst person that Onslaught could jump into because everyone else at least has like natural powers of their own. But Iron Man, like you got to know how to use that suit, bro. And Onslaught doesn't know shit. So he's actually like at the biggest disadvantage here, I think, uh, when he's in the Iron Man. Yeah. So basically what Iron Man ends up doing is he disables Iron. I'm sorry. What Captain America ends up doing is he uses his shield to destroy Iron Man's um jetpack so that way he doesn't have the ability to fight from the air and they just basically beat each other into such a freaking pulp they both make they both knock each other out so at this point onslaught's now in the body of you know you know knocked out tony stark while captain america is also uh knocked out but it doesn't matter because now onslaught succeeded all the heroes are down so he comes back in his giant onslaught form and he's just taking a victory lap he's like is there no one on this planet who will challenge me. So then we get over to the Baxter building, uh, read human torch and a thing are trying to resuscitate Donald Blake. But what they realize is that in order to jumpstart his heart again, before he actually dies from, you know, being thrown into space earlier, Namor shows up and he's like, listen, uh, I think this big staff might have something to do with it guys. So <laughs> he goes ahead and is about to give it to him. Then we skip to the other page 
And what ends up happening is this. Uh, Loki comes over and he's like, listen, Thor is dead, seemingly. Thor is dead. My half-brother now resides in Valhalla, embraced by the goddess Hela. The monster known as Onslaught is his murderer. And for such an act, he will be destroyed. I like how Loki acts like it's just to avenge his brother who he's been trying to kill for like, I don't know, like millennia, <laughs> but just to like act like he's kind of has heroic motives here when it's it's obviously all just self-preservation. Like, yes, these guys do want to destroy Onslaught, too, but it's because Onslaught poses a threat to themselves and their entire universe. So, yeah, of course they want to destroy him. But I like I love how Loki just always has to put the spit on things like, oh, my poor dear brother. He's off in Valhalla now. He must avenge him. <laughs> yeah. And basically, before we can really figure out like what else is going on, uh, we see uh, we see uh, Power Man. I'm sorry, Wonder Man. Wonder Man. And what I will admit is kind of a stupid costume. Wonder Man is a power is part of <laughs> really, really stupid. He's like, Loki, I took care of the butler, but we're not alone here. And Loki's like, not alone. Wonder Man, what dost thou mean? Because now he speaks Victorian now. So next thing you know, the other heroes attack. Vision takes out Wonder Man because I love it. I love Vision's interest where he responds, logically, that would be me. (laughs) He just emerges inside Wonder Man. I I don't even remember Vision in the in the original Heroes Reborn Avengers. I I don't remember if he was included or not, but I'm happy. I don't I don't either. Uh, next, you know, uh, Sue Storm puts these, uh, you know, force field bubbles around Enchantress and uh, recently back from, you know, surgery, uh, Scarlet Witch. And she she knocks them out by cutting off the air supply. And then, Ant, you know, battle Ant-Man, Zack Snyder's Ant-Man comes down uh, and basically like what, what it looks like is it looks like he's blinding executioner. So then as soon as that happens, Ultron and Vision start fighting each other. Loki's about to go ahead and bring the thunder down, apparently. But that's okay, because what they ended up doing was, uh, you know, get, giving them enough time to at least get Bucky and Franklin out of there. But Loki's able to go ahead and quickly resuscitate uh, Enchantress and Scarlet Witch, who start hexing uh, Ant-Man. And what they end up doing is they basically cause Ant-Man to turn into Giant-Man, exploding Avengers mansion from the inside. And then what we see is just 60 foot naked. You know, I don't know if it's Scott Lang or Hank Pym, but what I can assume is that the masters of evil are underneath him. Maybe, or maybe they teleported out. I don't know. I guess. Uh, Oh, but anyway, yeah. So they're, they're on the side of Pym slang i don't know who it is specifically and uh they've knocked out um you know they've knocked out ant-man they've knocked out vision suddenly the masters of evil are up and they're about to go after franklin because i think what they're going to do is they're going to use him as like bait or something for onslaught and just before loki can come down and grab franklin uh he gets hit in the back by a hammer it happens to be mjolnir and now thor is back with the human torch the thing mr fantastic and namor and they just start kicking ass. But right before that happens, um, Loki's like, listen, man, like I, I know that there's a way for this universe to survive. And for that to happen, the boy must die. So now everyone's just like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So they look at Reed. They're like, Reed, is he serious? And Reed is like, I, you know, I, I can't agree. I think I have to agree with Loki. So then Bucky and Franklin just look at Reed and they're like, what? And that ends issue four. <laughs> They're like, what, what, what? 
Yeah, he's like, uh, I, I must, I must agree with Loki here. He is technically correct. And they're like, oh shit. Well, what are we gonna do now? Especially for poor Franklin. He's like, that's my fucking dad, man. Even though it's not, but it is to him, sort of. He's like, yeah, my dad just basically said he's got to kill me, so they're using it first can survive. So good times. I, uh, I felt like this was definitely a filler issue. I don't feel like it was that relevant. I liked the action, but I don't think it really did anything to progress the story. I'll say that at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could argue this whole series is, is a filler series, but but yeah, I guess in terms of this one, we you know we got the the incorporation of the Masters of Evil and and yada 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 and that whole battle. I I enjoyed Vision battling with Ultron. I, I like when he's like, I may be many, many things, Ultron, but I will never be your son. Uh, just little things like that. I mean, uh, again, it, it kind of sums up my feelings of of the series overall. Each of these issues, none of them are Shakespeare, and none of them are offensive. Yeah. So we're on to issue five and Thor and Reed Richards are yelling at each other. Thor's like, how can thou speak thus harshly, Richards? Would you bring harm to a small child? And Reed is like, as I said, I haven't concluded my research, but if we are to believe that Franklin altered reality so that all of us have different lives, different origins, who's to say he didn't create onslaught? So at this point, like Reed Richards and Thor are fighting because Thor's just like, we have to be heroes, man. We have to save this child. Meanwhile, Enchantress and Loki are just like laughing this entire time. So then, uh, you know, the other heroes have to basically break up the fight. And what it basically comes down to is they're like, listen, no one's going to hurt this child. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, what we see is that Hawkeye has reached them and he's like, listen, everyone. Okay. One, the kid didn't have anything to do with onslaught. Other than like, you know, that beast following him here. And two, I just might know the best way to take him down. And Rita's like, how would you know that? And he replies, because with Franklin's help, I remember just who the hell I am. Remember, this isn't the old Heroes Reborn universe. This is a pocket universe where things can still change and Franklin can still alter reality. So at this point, uh, we're back at the Baxter building. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to set a trap for Onslaught. So Franklin is there with Ben and Onslaught is in the building. They have another fight. And what ends up happening is Hawkeye jumps out at him. And at this point, we're thinking, what's Hawkeye going to do? Well, he pulls off his mask. And what we see is that it's freaking Wolverine. And we know it. Yeah, we know it. Not just because of the way it looks, but because the claws come out. And he's like, hey. I don't remember. I didn't remember at first. Seems like having a spotty memory is part of who I am. But Franklin helped me fill in the blanks. I remember who you are, Onslaught. Just a chunk of the dark side of Xavier and a pretty good-sized tablespoon of Magneto. Shake well, and you're going down. So Bucky's looking at him. So, so, so just remind me here, like th- this, this Hawkeye did not exist in the original no, Heroes Reborn. No, the original right, one was like, not Hawkeye, but somehow Franklin was still messing with things, and that's what gave us this most random cameo appearance. So was so okay. So was this Hawkeye in this version of the Heroes Reborn Reborn universe always Wolverine who was? being who somehow became a hawkeye or did did franklin richards like turn him into wolverine somehow franklin richards basically turned him into wolverine marvel editorial did confirm that it was not wolverine back in the 90s pretending to be hawkeye okay but we never know we never know 
Because comics, yeah, folks. Because comics. This is one of the most ultimate because comics <laughs> moments. This should be entitled because comics. Yeah. So Franklin, I'm sorry. So so Bucky looks at Franklin and he's like, and she's like, Franklin, I've never seen Hawkeye with his mask off. Who is that? And Franklin's like, he's my friend. He's a new Avenger where <laughs> I come from. He's also he also knows a lot about onslaught. And she's like, why is that? And he's like, oh, because he's one of the X-Men too. And she's like, the who? And he's like, oh, they're heroes. And Onslaught is freaking out because like he's actually is weaker against actual mutants. So he starts freaking out. He's like, what? No, there are no mutants on this world. And next thing you know, Hawkeye's like, well, tell that to the Scarlet Witch, bub. So basically, what all we can infer is that because of Franklin's interference in the pocket universe, and also because of Scarlet Witch's hex power explosion in the first issue that had to do with House of M and all that stuff, which is something we haven't gotten into much. That's what caused all this extra freak occurrences and changes to happen. And somehow Franklin Richards brought, turned that Hawkeye into this Wolverine who remembers that universe because he knows all about Onslaught and knows about Scarlet Witch doing the new No More Mutants thing. So, yeah. I don't know, because comics, but it's fun anyway. <laughs> so basically what ends up happening is they're going to go ahead and trap Onslaught in the negative zone. So they end up fighting. All the heroes end up trying to fight him because Wolverine... I, I do love here, too, that we also get a, we get a classic, like, I, I love when Wolverine is used this way. It's usually like Colossus throwing him around, oh, but we get Thing... Special? Yeah, when, when Thing throws him at uh, at Onslaught, and, uh, and then, then Wolverine uh, uses that moment to snatch Onslaught's helmet the magneto the deformed magneto helmet off of onslaught which again because he knows onslaught knows that this is going to make him more vulnerable yeah so basically all the heroes basically tag team to try and push onslaught towards the negative zone portal that's inside the baxter building but it's not enough so what ricky barnes does is she gets in one of the in one of the uh, fantastic four jets i don't know what that was specifically called one one of the flying fantastic four things she gets in there and she drives. Fantastic car, I think, Fantastic in the 60s. I don't know I don't know what they call it now. They call it that, the Fantastic car. Let's go by it. And she basically kamikazes herself. She pushes him into the negative zone. But as soon as that happens, they have to, sh- they have to, um, they have to seal it off. So Bucky has basically sacrificed herself to save not only Franklin, but this entire universe. So at this point, it seems like they, they can't do anything about it. So Captain America's screaming, no, no. So he grabs a shield and he's trying to open the door and he's screaming, open it up, open it up. And Reed is is seriously sad for once. He's like, hey, I, I never intended it for, to end this way. But once the portal's been breached, all of Manhattan would have been destroyed if all of us in it. So at this point, you know, Cap sheds a tear because Bucky's actually dead. So the next page, we see all the heroes. They've created a a bust memorial for Ricky Barnes, who they say was a hero reborn because they have to keep narrowing that down. Because we got to keep hammering that home. Yeah. And basically what... uh, When was she reborn in this? Like, it really makes no sense, actually, in the context of this. She's actually just a hero who died. Like, that's it. Yeah, so basically because Onslaught is gone and everything, it's now safe for Franklin to go back home. And, you know, Reed and Sue realize that everything that Franklin said was real. So, um, you know, they they say goodbye to him. And I I like what Sue says. She's like, you're a remarkable boy. And I'm sure that if someday I have a son, and before she could say it, he just gives her a hug and he just says, I love you, mom. And and Reed comes over and he's like, you don't belong here, Franklin. Onslaught is gone, but 
you have nothing to hide from anymore. You only have to focus on the green ball because he still kept the green ball connecting him between the worlds and uh, believe in all your heart that there's no place like home. Literally, they stole a line from Wizard of Oz and uh, Franklin returns back. He's back in the arms of uh, Reed and the Thing, who are basically in the same Uncle Ben in issue one. So basically, time only went by for a few minutes in the real. Like, like I think like no time went by because because this is the same scene we saw where um he like Mister Fantastic is saying, "How long was I unconscious, Ben?" And they run into Franklin's room and and he's there. Like, so I think it was just like I think in Franklin's like in their world, this was like a second. You know, this is like no time, but it all happened inside that little pocket world in however long it was. Yeah, and what this ends up also showing is like where you are in current Marvel continuity because we see Onslaught floating through the negative zone and he's kind of like wondering, where am I? And you see Area 42. Area 42 was the negative zone prison for supervillains created by Iron Man and Reed Richards. Oh, is it Area 41? But yeah, is that so... So this is what is confusing. Well, not this is not the only thing confusing to me, but all right. So the negative zone like lives outside of other dimensions. So is this negative zone that the Heroes Reborn universe pushed Onslaught into? Is that the negative zone or is it the negative zone of the Heroes Reborn universe? Is the negative zone. So there's only one negative zone. Yes. Okay. Well, technically, so, so certainly there's another one, but we don't talk about that one from Ultimate Fantastic Four. Anyway, so that well, if there if there's one in the, if there's okay, I gotta dig into this more because if there's if there's a separate negative zone for the Ultimate Universe, why is there not a separate separate negative zone for the Heroes Reborn you know Universe, why? and why is it the same negative? You zone? know why? Because, because comics. I know why. Come on. So what ends up also happening after that as we get onto the last page, Ricky Barnes has survived. She's in a brand new world that looks like hers but it's different. So she's trying to find her surroundings. She turns around to a newspaper stand also with a bunch of TVs nearby. And she sees on the screen, Captain America assassinated. So this story takes place during and after the events of Marvel civil war. Yeah. It takes that place after civil war and after house of M. This is quite a tumultuous time in the Marvel universe between, between civil war house of M no more mutants, uh, captain America dead. I mean, it was a real big shakeup at this time when you were kind of really coming into your fanhood. It was crazy. And I mean, I love this, but it confused the hell out of me, man. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's weird stuff. Yeah. It's weird stuff. So speaking of weird, let's get weirder. I'm going to let you go (laughs) ahead and start with your rating first. Okay. Well, as I said, when I, when I first saw this on our agenda, when you first told me this existed, I just kind of laughed to myself. I was like, what? Onslaught is reborn and there's a series about it and this happened. So I, I was ready to think, I was ready for battle scars here. You know, I was ready for something really, really dumb and really stupid and really bad. And what I got was, I mean, some of that, some of it's kind of dumb, some of it's kind of stupid, but it's definitely not bad. I mean, it, it's, it's not battle scars bad. That's for sure. It's nowhere close. This is actually, you know, especially for someone who remembers the heroes reborn universe and uh, really does enjoy the, the super, super nineties art of Rob Liefeld. I found it fun. I mean, I, I, it didn't offend me. It's five really quick issues that I literally read them in like, in like 30 minutes, just sitting down, you know, didn't, it's not like kingdom come. It's actually really appropriate that we did this right at back to back with kingdom come because they're two very different reading experiences. Like kingdom come is like this, epic immersive experience where you are living inside of this um, dystopian DC future where all of this biblical stuff is going on. And then suddenly I I'm just here in this 
silly little, you know, re- revisit the re- Heroes Reborn universe and seeing these epic, epic 90s style Rob Liefeld battles where I don't need to think much about what's going on. And it was a nice change of pace. It was actually very good to, to do these stories back to back, I think, because um, it, it, it gave me kind of like a fresh feeling about it. Like I it definitely exceeded exceeded the pre- preconceived notions that I had going in. So uh, we'll start with the art. The art is Rob Liefeld. I'm a big fan of Rob Liefeld as a person, big fan of him and his art. I don't think this is the best Rob Liefeld art I've ever seen. Uh, I'm So I'm not going to give this like, you know, the highest possible art rating, but I will give the art a four out of five. I, I enjoyed the art. It's very good art. It's very good if you like that style. I mean, like you said, Rob Liefeld is it's kind of a, a love him or hate him kind of guy. And I, I'm much more on the love him side of things here, but it's not his best work. Like I, I've said, th- I feel like I've seen even like what I've seen from his snake eyes that it came out recently to me, that's like far better than the art that I saw here. So while I love Rob Liefeld, I'm giving his art a four out of five here because I just think he's capable and ha- has done much better work. Um, as far as the writing goes, this could have been really bad. Like th- this easily could have just all the way leaned on Liefeld's art and leaned on the hype of, of here's Rob Liefeld doing a Marvel story again. But for what this story is, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's, you know, as long as you have the right expectations or lowered expectations, like I did, um, the dialogue's entertaining enough. Um, it's an, it, for, for as ridiculous of a story as the whole pocket universe thing is, um, it's done fairly well. And I never got bored. And that, that's something, there's something to say for that because not to compare this to battle scars. Cause again, it's, it's so much better, but like battle scars bored me. Like that was actually hard to read because it was that at the end of reading it. Yeah. I mean that, that was just damn boring. Like I, I I'm now an alcoholic because of battle scars. That's why I've been drinking this 40 during this whole show. And I don't know if there's any going back for me. Uh, so this is nothing like that. This is pretty, it's pretty entertaining. Like it, it's, it's, you know, it's nothing that I could call uh, one of the greatest works of all time. It's not an Alan Moore. It's not a Neil Gaiman. It's not a Warren Ellis, but it's decent comic book. It's decent comic book writing. So I'm going to give the writing a 3.5. And that brings me to a grand total of a seven and a half, which is actually much higher than I, ever thought I would give this before I read it. So um, it's all a matter of expectations. Um, But at the end of the day, this is a fun, inoffensive story that goes by really quick, that has good entertaining art, entertaining battle scenes, and it's over before you know it. So I think a 7.5 is actually a, it's it's a higher score than I'm even believing I'm giving it, but I think it's the score it deserves. And Mark, I'll, I'll agree and slightly disagree. I'll be a little bit more to the point. This is the fast and furious of comic books. You either love it or you don't. It's not, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, but it's fun. You read it, you enjoy it, you put it down, you move on. For the artwork, I'll agree with you. It's not uh, Liefeld at its finest, but he has a very unique style. And I really just did enjoy getting to see him put his pen and ink down for these characters. Again, I'm giving it a four out of five. For the story, I'm going to go a bit looser than you because it fails my test of being good for seasoned readers because there's so much stuff you have to know. And then it also failed on the end of being good for new readers. It's just for a very niche minority of people who read and understand the comics, particularly this era in Marvel. So I'm giving it a three out of five. So for a total score of seven out of 10. Can you believe that I rated this higher than you? Did you have any, any idea that would happen? Done that for episode I produced. We, we actually have similar thoughts on this though. I, I actually, I, I think if, if I had higher expectations going in, I might've given it 
a three, but it's, it's more of an expectation thing. Like I expected it to suck, you know? So, you know, maybe that just didn't cause me to put it a little bit higher, but I'll stick to it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the score 7.5 this either way, seven, 7.5 puts it firmly in that. Let's see, I guess that's a SBC total of 14 and a half. That is uh, what we'd say is the category of not great. Nothing to write home about, but definitely readable. Definitely. Well, Mark, I love getting these episodes where we definitely get to see your opinion on these alternate stories. Uh, My parting question before we head off is, would you ever want to see Marvel do another type of alternate continuity? And it's ironic because right now we have a brand new series called Heroes Reborn from Marvel, which is a completely different continuity, but has nothing to do with any of the previous Reborn events. Are you reading that at all? Because I I don't think I'm enticed enough to even try that. You know, we have a mutual friend of ours who is uh, able to uh, help us uh, acquire certain versions of comics that we might not normally purchase. So due to that, I may just read it but I doubt I would shell out money for it. Let's put it that way. Um, but um, like, okay. So as, as far, as far as like this type of universe goes uh, at the end of the day, like, no, I, I didn't see the necessity of the, the ultimate universe. Like I thought there was, there are good things in there. I'm, I'm happy. I'm sure you'll bring up more stories from there down the road that I'll be happy to read and, and give my opinions on. Cause I, I love doing this kind of thing. I love being exposed to things that I never would have read. Like there's no, I never would have read this ever if I didn't do this podcast with you. So I, that that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show. So we could each introduce each other to stuff that we might not normally have ever gotten into. Um, so, um, but in terms of like these, like, I don't know, I, I, I cheered the end of the ultimate universe when they were kind of all merged together by Jonathan Hickman's secret wars, just because I, and this is the hardest thing to be as a comic book fan, but I'm kind of a continuity nerd. And to me, separate parallel realities, screw that up for me. And so you can't imagine how my head spins trying to figure out DC comics continuity, but um, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I like Elseworld stories or like multi-universe stories as individual stories, you know, like, so, so Heroes Reborn was kind of a short-lived thing. I think it was, I don't know, they, they claim it might've been longer term, but I, I feel like it was always just meant to be those, those 12 issues of each of those series um, in like a limited fashion where it's like, Hey, we're just going to take a little glimpse into another possibility, another reality, or like, like, what if, how, what if handles things? Mm-hmm. What if is so fun to me? Cause it's just the watcher. And he's like, sometimes it's bright Brian Michael Bendis as the watcher or something weird, but, uh, or sometimes it's a computer hacker or whatever. We should do another, what if, it, what if, uh, issue down the road here for sure. Um, but you know, it's, it's glimpses into parallel possibilities, parallel realities that I really enjoy. But when they build a whole nother universe out of it for like the, with the ultimate universe that was around for like 12, 13, whatever it was years. That's too much for me. I don't want to have to think, am I talking about ultimate Spider-Man or regular Spider-Man or this or that? So I I don't like it when they try to create a whole parallel universe. That's also going on at the same time as my current universe, but I do enjoy like the occasional dip into alternate universes. Like I, like I really enjoy DC's earth one, for example, because those are all very self-contained stories. Um, they're all pretty easy to digest. I can pick up the green lantern earth one, give it a read, put it down. I'm done with it. I can pick up the Batman or the Superman earth one, give them a read, put them down. I'm done with it. And yes, they are sort of, there is a larger universe here, but I don't feel overwhelmed because there's not like 20 regular monthly titles I have to follow. It's just sort of a glimpse into another another version of what these superheroes could be. So from that perspective, I do enjoy 
Elseworlds alternate reality tales when they're when they're more self-contained. But when you build a whole ultimate universe and it's running for a decade along with the regular universe, that I'm not a fan of. All right, hater. Well, this is why <laughs> we come together every week and jump on such important topics. Hey, folks, the fun doesn't stop here. Head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod to keep the party going. Join our Second Print Comics fan zone and hang out with Mark and I and other fans every day over on our secret private Facebook group. You can also catch Remso Rants every Sunday, the random Marvel podcast from Mark, and also Tales from the Fuck it Pile, and so much more. And if you want, hand-selected, hardcover, graphic novels, mailed to your door every couple, I think it's every three months now, that $25 level and above gets you so much more. But I won't bore you with the details. Go over, have some fun yourself, and support this growing Second Print Nation community we're establishing. As always, I'm Ramster W. Martinez. And I am the Metropolis Milktoast, Mark Claire. Read comics, change the world. Change the world. Night America. Adios. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.